Hello and welcome to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schrall. Hey y'all and welcome back for another episode of Subclass Act. I hope you've been enjoying this new season, this new arc. Uh, it's a little bit different. Hopefully I've gotten a little bit better than since season one. Uh, I've got a call-in to respond to. Um, and then we're going to get into resuming the story as quickly as possible and see what we have in store here. Um, so I'll refresh everybody's memory about what happened last time. But first, let's respond to the Colin. Hey, James, Jason here. Really enjoyed Thorne's Adventures. I'd be happy to hear any of those systems. I'm currently playing in Pathfinder 2. So by default, I'd rather hear Genesis or Fate. Maybe Genesis, because that's one system I haven't heard or seen anything about i mean i know about it but i've never seen a play of it where i played in a game of fate so yeah i think genesis would be my my vote but i'm happy to do any of those anyhow great job keep up the great work and look forward to the next one and i will keep trying to pimp your podcast wherever i can take care thanks jason for calling in uh so you are the one and only vote uh for uh system here and um, I was thinking about it and, and you said you hadn't played Genesis and, you know, I haven't seen a lot of stuff about it in general and I've seen more about the other systems to your point. Um, so, and I really, I wanted to try Genesis for a while and I, I have some ideas for it. Hopefully I think it's a cool and underrepresented system. I think that the proprietary dice can throw people off. Um, and I haven't played it in a while, so we'll see how well I do with the symbols, but, um, we'll, I'll get kind of into the, into the system in a moment, but to just, for anybody who's not familiar, uh, Genesis is from Fantasy Flight Games. It's an, uh, another generic system, like some of the others. Um, it is extracted from the Star Wars um, games from fin- uh, Fantasy Flight, which are excellent. I have one of them. I have uh, Edge of the Empire, which is basically a Mandalorian, the RPG, and it's very good. Um, it's one of the... It's, uh, yeah, it's actually the first RPG that I ever ran. I ran the beginner game version, which is really good. And honestly, you could just play the beginner game um, if you wanted something lighter and, and just run with your imagination. And I, yeah, you could just totally do that and it'd be great. Um, I got the full version. Uh, I also have an extra set of dice, which I might need for today. We'll see. Um, yeah, Genesis is the, the generic version of that. And to get into the basics, uh, one of the reasons I'm so excited about it, the most important feature to me that I haven't seen really in anything else is, um, it does blend narrative and kind of the crunchy bits, which other systems do that too. I've heard Cypher can do that as well. Um, I've played uh, 2D20 with Star Trek uh, Adventures. Um, but what's, for me, the big thing is that the it, they don't just have, it doesn't just have degrees of success. A lot of games that I play have degrees of success and I really like it, like Dungeon World, all the, you know, all the Powered by the Apocalypse games. Um, I've heard Cypher system does that. Um, uh, Pathfinder 2 even seems to have a little bit of that. It's very cool. Uh, but the big thing is Genesis has separate axes um, that can go in completely different directions. So you have, in addition to pass, fail, or kind of neutral, which means you didn't succeed, but it's not bad per se. So you have, that's one axis, but then you also have advantage and disadvantage. And it's not like 5e advantage and disadvantage. It's like extra story bits. So for example... You, you're rolling opposed dice. So they are regular dice, but they don't have the numbers on them. They have symbols on them. So you have some D6s, you have some D8s, and some D12s. But they have different symbols on them. Uh, and the idea is that they oppose each other. So I have, for instance, three... I have extra ones too, but I have three green D8s and three purple D8s. And I have two... Um, or I'm supposed to, anyways, have two yellow, um, two yellow D D12s, I have one red one. Um, You know, I've got two sky blue D6s and two black D6s. Um, They have various symbols on them. These are the Star Wars ones. The Genesis ones are the same. They just don't have the Star Wars IP symbols on them. The the idea is that they're opposed dice, um, and that's how you represent difficulty on things. So you want to get more success symbols than you get failure symbols. But there's also advantage symbols and, and threat symbols. And they cancel each other out, so you take the net effect. But what this means is that you can you can just straight up succeed or fail, or not succeed. Um, but you can also succeed with disadvantage or threat, 
you can fail with advantage or you can succeed with advantage. You can fail with threat. Um, and then there's also symbols that are called triumph and despair, which counts as a success and an advantage. And you always make that effect happen. So what this means is that while at first it can be a little disorienting to, to read the symbols in a way, if it's a little bit different at first, uh, I think a natural at first, but what's really cool is that you can use them in a bunch of ways. So there, if you don't know how to use them, there are mechanical uses. So like for instance, um, the way that you can earn them or spend them. So you could um, spend them sometimes to use certain traits, which are like feats. Um, you can use them to, uh, like if you get the advantage, you can spend them to maybe get a boost die, which gets you increased chances of success and advantages. Um, likewise, something you could, you could, cause somebody to have, or you could be caused to have um, uh, the disadvantaged dice, and so it makes it harder to succeed. Um, so it just it represents, represents it that way, but you can also use them in story ways because it is a very narrative game in addition to having the crunchy bits. Um, so it has some of the simulation kind of bits that you'd expect in some other games, but it has the narrative element. So you can also just you know, say like what makes sense, what happens when you succeed, but you have a disadvantage in this scenario. And if you don't have a specific thing you want to spend it on, just go into the the narrative, like what makes sense. You, su you succeed, but at some sort of a cost or um, you failed, but you are maybe in a better position next time. Even if you, even if there's not a mechanical impact, you can always have a narrative impact if you want. And so it just makes the results really way more dynamic, um, even if it's a little uh, overwhelming just in how different it is at first. Um, so it's very cool and I, I mean, I'm excited about it. Um, I hope that you guys will like it. Um, it is very, very different in alien, um, from other systems. So hopefully this will be, hopefully this will translate over the air. Well, um, there are a couple podcasts I've heard play this, but they've only, I've only ever heard star Wars be played on podcasts. Um, so I, I haven't heard just the Genesis system in general. I think it's like I said, I think it's, uh, actually that's not true campaign that did star Wars, uh, the campaign podcast that did. Um, Star Wars Edge of the Empire has a homebrewed setting for the second one. So actually, that's the one that I can think of. Um, so yeah, I, to your point, Jason, I thank you for calling in and being excited to hear about Genesis. Um, I'll probably still play Fate uh, at some point in the future and maybe Pathfinder, uh, Dungeon World, some of these others, but I just time for me to jump into Genesis. The last thing I'll say is that I'm actually going to go with no Oracle um, for this. I'm actually just going to use Genesis as the Oracle, and here's what I mean. So I'm going to have the equivalent of um, a difficulty check where I'm going to roll some of these uh, D8s versus the um, the challenge dice, which are the, the purple D8s. Uh, and so in general, I, I think in general for yeses and nos, I'm going to roll two of the D8s maybe, or maybe I'll just do one and one, we'll see. But as it becomes more and less likely for something to happen, I'll add more of the challenge dice. It's almost as if I'm doing a, a basic skill but I'm not going to be doing a skill. I'm just going to read what the Oracle says and that'll give me a yes or no, or um, the sort of the mix. So it's going to be in some ways end up being kind of like motif. Um, I think it's one of the strengths of the motif Oracle that we've been using the past couple of episodes as well is that it has these independent axes where it's not more than just a yes or no. Uh, and I think that that's really cool. And I think it's, I think it's underused in other games. And it's one of my favorite parts. I think it's what se separates Genesis from others. I'm not one of those people who likes to pick one game and say, this game is better than this one. I just think they're different flavors and it's it's fine to like more than one thing. And I, I'm really excited about this one. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to go too, too much more into the system. I'll say that the basics um, are, are worth looking up, but you have your various stats, your characteristics. Um, they go from generally one to five. Um, and that's how many of the regular dice you, you can roll. Um, so if you're doing a skill that is based on your brawn characteristic, right? You would, and I have a three brawn, so the Thorin is still the character here. Uh, he gets to roll three of the dice uh, of the green D8 um, for for a success, and then the D, that's offset by however however difficult the roll is, and that determines how many of the purple ones that I roll against it. Now here's the thing: if I'm what I'm using my skill for, you have ranks and skills that also goes from one to five. So if I have a skill, so let's say I'm doing melee and I have two points in that, uh, two ranks, it's what's called in that combat skill, and it's based on brawn, which is a three. So I have a three in brawn and a two in rank in the skill, the matching skill. It means I upgrade two of those green D8s 
to the yellow D12s. So these are just the positive dice. I upgrade those many that many dice. So I'm always going to roll three dice because my brawn is three, but I get to upgrade two of them to be the yellow ones, and those are the ones with triumphs and, and better chances of success. Um, so this game is levelless. Uh, so you start out with a certain amount of XP. It's balanced by you know, what kind of species you might be picking or what kind of class you're picking that kind of balance the starting XP. You can spend XP at the beginning to upgrade your characteristics, which is what they call attributes on here. And you can spend it on your traits, which are kind of like feats or powers. Maybe they're probably closer to powers um, or edges, I guess, in, um, in Savage Worlds. Um, and then you can... Um, uh, yeah, you mainly spend them the rest of them on your skills and then your your traits. So skills here are things like, for instance, there's there's a whole example in Genesis. You may may not use all of them every setting. Um, so, um, for instance, like we said, the melee one that says it's based on brawn. There's the ranks of that. You can spend your XP on that as well. So as you get XP from playing, you just you just improve however you want, wherever you want. Basically, there are different, um, uh, you know. There's rules for that, and like you know, some skills are more expensive than others if they're not a career skill versus a career skill, um, and and various things like that. And I won't go too much into that. Um, the other thing that's cool is uh, the way that the stats work. Um, so you have wounds uh, and strain, which are kind of two health tracks in a way. So you have a threshold. So I have a 15 wound threshold and an 11 strain threshold. Those are derived characteristics um, for your class and your stats. And so then how much of those you've sustained um, that gets into uh, taking damage. So when you, when you fill one of those up in a certain way, then you're talking about critical injuries that could, could end up killing your character, but it also could make a bunch of other stuff happen. Um, everything about this game is about flavor and about narrative. So it could kill your character outright and it becomes more and more likely you roll on a D 100 table to see what the critical injury is. A lot of times it's going to further the story. Um, so you've got those going on. You've got soak, which is just sort of your damage reduction, your ability to just soak up some of the damage. And then you also have defense if you have armor against ranged versus melee. And that basically would give a disadvantage die for each rank of that. Uh, not a lot of characters have defense, um, but it just makes it generally harder to hit you, just harder to deal damage, more likely that you will fail. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's a little bit hard to talk about over the air. So that's just the short the short version. Hopefully it'll make sense as we're playing. Um, I think that one of the things about this system is it ha it's a big toolkit. It has as much or as little as you want, really. Um, there's all kinds of like tags for the equipment and stuff you can get into, but you could also probably safely ignore a lot of that if you wanted, if it was just too much and too overwhelming. Um, yeah, so I built Thorin here. Um, so quickly, his soak value is three. I already said about the wound and strain threshold. He's got a brawn of three, agility of three, intellect of two, cunning of two, willpower of three, and presence of two. Uh, I'm not going to go into what all of his skills are, but just so you can kind of get the idea. So I built Thorin as part of the soldier career and the laborer background, or archetype rather, um, which I just labeled as barbarian. That's kind of how I built a barbarian. And he's got some cool... Uh, traits in here that are like feats. Um, so hopefully we'll get into that. So um, that's going to be the end of this segment. We're going to jump straight back into the story. But thanks again, Jason, for calling in. Jason, as always, um, of the amazing Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, check out his show. I I'm a fan. I listen to, uh, to Jason's show. Um, and you should too. He talks about all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, is just an amazing person around the community. Always supportive of everybody. Uh, so yeah, Jason is also the unofficial official leader of the Subclass Act fan club. So <laughs> thanks again, Jason. I really do appreciate it. Now let's get back into the show. All right, if you'll remember last time, uh, Thorin made it all the way through this sort of hall of trials, managed to get the Desert Rose, and at the very end uh, was um, confronted by the Pilgrims of the Single Mind, uh, who were glad that he went through this uh, set of trials, which they apparently are physically incapable of uh, of doing in order to recover this Desert Rose. Looking pretty bad. Remember, he's on this quest to get this Desert Rose. This is some sort of a magical item, and the, the, his whole point in getting it is so that he can use it as a bargaining tool or some other tool to get help from uh, the city, which I don't remember if I've named the city or not, but either way, um, that seems like a secondary concern at this point to Thorin, I think. Okay, 
One last mechanic that I didn't talk about so far with Genesis. There are story points involved here. Um, the GM starts with two. We'll see how much I'm able to use them from the GM side. And then I would start with one. Uh, and I can spend these to trigger various things. Some of the traits have things that can be triggered. And I can also spend them to um, upgrade uh, a die to, to just be better at something. Um, and then lastly, I can also use them just to establish a point of fiction. Like if I, uh, like, oh yeah, I totally remember to bring a vac suit because I just the thrown in space or something like that. As long as the GM agrees in the game, it's fine. You can spend it on that. Um, so it's a mutual thing, but in this case, I'm both rules. So just know that. Um, Thorin was wounded from before, so I'm gonna add some wounds and probably some strain because um, that wasn't really a track that was available in D&D or in Savage Worlds for the strain, which is more like stress, like emotional um, or mental stress. Um, you can, a lot, sometimes you can take strain um, in order to do extra things. Um, so I think he's gonna have some strain and he's probably gonna have some wounds because he had had two wounds in Savage Worlds. Um, I don't know enough about the balance of this game to know how much, so I'm just gonna kind of pick somewhat arbitrary amounts. Um, I was fairly wounded before. Uh, I have a threshold of 15 for wounds. I'm gonna put, uh, I think I had, a, I had a wound one or wound two left um, at the end of the last one. So I'm gonna put um, uh, five on here because I was wounded from last time. And then for strain, I'm gonna put uh, three out of 11 to just reflect that I've taken some. All right, we're gonna get into it here. last time yes we are glad that you were able to accomplish this for us you have proven to be a valuable asset Thorin what is it you want from me well that's a good question what do they want from him are they just gonna take this from him or are they gonna somehow otherwise extort him to do something else or like is he gonna have to try to struggle with them in some way or are they gonna try to force him in some way or another to, to do something for them? Because maybe they can't interact with the Desert Rosie either, I don't know. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna use Genesis as the Oracle, like I said in this game. I'm gonna roll um, by default two of the uh, D8s for each direction. And as things become more or less likely, I might adjust up or down the, uh, the purple dice. Okay, so, um, this is really one of those forking paths again. So we're gonna say, um, are they going to directly confront him? All right, here goes the roll. Okay, so now looking at the symbols, we've got, uh, like I said, successes, advantages, disadvantages, threats. Uh, or sorry, disadvantages are called threats. So, um, so we have failures, threats, successes, and advantages. So I have one success, two advantages, and four threats. But um, sorry, four failures, it looks like. So, um, actually, let me, let me double check the symbols on here, because these are the Star Wars ones and not the Genesis ones, so give me two seconds to translate them. Okay, yes, so these are the, these are the failures. So I have four failures, one success, and then two advantages. So what this means is, uh, so it's gonna be a no, because the, the net effect of the threat versus, or the uh, failure versus success means three net failures. So that means no. But I have two advantages. Uh, and so what that means is that um, no, they aren't gonna directly confront me. So they are gonna ask me to do some sort of, um, they are gonna ask me to do some sort of a task for them. Um, I'm gonna re read the advantages here as kind of a but. So this is a no but. Um, no, so they aren't gonna confront me, but I do think that whatever they're gonna ask is gonna be very unfavorable to me. Um, so let's see, what would they ask me to do? Uh, they, I think the worst possible thing would be that they ask him to, um, like to attack his own people using the desert rose in some way. I'm not gonna do that. I would have done that maybe if there was a despair symbol, which is one of those things that's a failure and a threat. That would be in the worst possible scenario. Um, and I didn't think the stakes were that high. So actually I don't think any of the dice that I rolled even have that symbol on them. Um, but I do think that he's gonna, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I do think that what, whatever they're going to ask him to do is is going to be going to be rough. It's going to exact probably some sort of a toll on him. Uh, so I guess we need to know what this desert rose is and what it does. So it's some sort of a magical artifact. What I need to know is, is, is it some sort of a weapon specifically? Or like, is it, is it explicitly a weapon? I'm sure the power can be abused, but is it explicitly a weapon? So we're going to roll again. Alright, this time we get one success and three threat. So yes, it is a weapon. I'm gonna read the uh, the threats as a but, because um, they're the opposite direction. So yes, it is a weapon, but I'm gonna say not in the conventional sense. Um, uh, oh, you know what? I think the Desert Rose it's not just called a desert rose because it looks like a desert rose, but it actually, in fact, causes the desert conditions. I think the pink pilgrims of the single mind are particularly angry at the city for some reason. Um, we need you to remove the scourge. The scourge from the face of the land that you will find to the north in the city. Please do this for us. And what if I decide not to? Then you will be dispatched, like the many that you have seen before. You remember, they have somehow managed to like burn down a whole town. I don't know how, but they did it, so... What must I do? You need to head to the city. We need you to use the Desert Rose on the water supply. The city must come to an end. Okay, so here's what they're asking him to do. They want him to go destroy the city by drying up all of the water supply. It probably does more than that. It probably, like, significantly makes conditions worse in another way. They basically want him to turn the city into a desert, um, wiping out the people there. I think Thorin at the moment feels like he has very little choice. He's got to somehow go along with this. So he'll probably just try to head through the desert, uh, get to the city, and then see what he can do. Uh, maybe there's a way to shake off the Pilgrims of the Single Mind. Maybe there's a way for him to still make this contact. Um, but he's got to try to keep his mind clear. Uh, I think he's, we're going to make a kind of a skill check here, and this is not going to be his strong suit, I think. I haven't statted up necessarily the Pilgrims of the Single Mind, um, but I'm just going to give a sign sort of a difficulty instead of making an opposed roll. Oftentimes things happen as an opposed roll. I'm just going to assign a difficulty in this case because they're so nebulous. This isn't really combat or strict. So um, I I'm going to take some liberties with Genesis, especially when playing solo. I, I take more liberties with a lot of these games when you're playing them solo because you just got to make it fit the solo game. So, uh, and it's, this is a toolkit game anyway, so I'm kind of kit bashing it. Um, okay, so we're going to make a check here. I think that he has to try to keep, it'll probably, we'll use one of the social skills, which is another thing I like about this game is it has some social skills and you can always add more um, custom ones. Uh, I think that he's gonna have to use some uh, sort of deception. Um, I think it's probably the closest thing here is some just deception to try to, um, or, or potentially vigilance, uh, which is another skill on here in order to not betray what he's thinking. There's also uh, cool, so maybe it's cool. There's a couple of choices here. There often are, just depending on the situation. I actually think I'm gonna use that one. Uh, you know, cool, discipline, there's a lot on here. You can also choose which one are, are and are not in the setting. Um, I think that he's gonna have to use cool here. That's probably the best one, I think, which is based on presence. Um, in order to not betray what he's thinking, because they are communicating as they have been before telepathically, and presumably they can read his thoughts, at least to some degree. So he needs to make sure that they don't realize that he might try to, he's even considering playing them. Um, so we're going to make the first official Genesis roll of the game. So I have two presents, so I'm going to take two of the, the green d8s, and I'm going to make this difficulty... So they go from simple, which you don't even need to roll to, uh, or you don't add any difficulty dice, you just want to see how much advantage you get, to formidable, where you roll five of the purple dice, which is crazy. Um, I am going to say, based on the nature of these things, that this is hard. So I'm going to roll three of these purple dice. Um, and then I don't have any ranks in cool at all. Thorin is not a cool cucumber here. Um, so that's rough for him. 
So, because uh, if it was willpower, I would have been able to roll three of these. So this is this is an unlikely thing. Um, and I don't think the I don't think there's any other situational advantages or disadvantages here, um, like from the desert rose or any any sort of equipment that he would have. So really, it's just going to be this dice pool. It's a dice pool game of the of the two purple ones versus or the three per, the three difficulty ones versus my two skill ones. Okay, so we've got a success, a failure, and a threat. So the success and failure cancel each other out, which means I don't succeed. So it's kind of still a failure. But it's not a hard, hard failure, right? It's just, um, it, I don't succeed at hiding what I'm thinking, and I got one threat, so it's a little bit worse than that even. So I think that they don't know exactly, like, they haven't, from that, I'm gonna say that they haven't figured out exactly that I'm supposed to meet somebody there, I was already supposed to be going there, but they know that not, they can't trust me, and that it might be duplicitous. Um, so what they say is the following. We know that you may try some, something, ill-advised. We advise that instead you consider the fate of your village. Your village is in danger of ceasing to exist should you not comply. You must comply. We will know. We will be watching. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Okay. Yeah, so I think that uh, Thorin's going to have to set off into the desert. Um, mm, okay. Yeah, so we're going to make some some various checks here. I'm sure that there are probably more specific rules for some of this stuff. I've just been doing some reading um, on the system in the past couple days, so I'm not far from an expert on it, so don't judge me on that. And I like to play things fast and loose anyway, so um, we're going to try to make some survival checks to see uh, how well... Um, how well Thorn is able to get through the desert if there's any incidents. So first off, um, is he able to uh, to successfully navigate through um, w without having to stop for water? So basically, I'm going to say that like he's he's good at survival. Um, does he have to stop and, and nav navigate these other things? Um, like, does he start to run out of anything, in which case we're going to drop into the action at that moment, or is he able to otherwise just navigate safely? Uh, so this will be a survival check. I'm going to say that this is a um, an average frame survival check. It's just a trip through the desert. He's skilled at this sort of thing. Uh, and then survival is uh, career skill for me, but it, I have one rank in survival, and it's based on cunning, of which I have two, which means so because I have two, I roll two dice, because I have a skill rank, one of them becomes one of these yellow d12s. Alright, against two of these purple d8s. Okay, so we're gonna make the roll here. Okay, so I got two, uh, no successes or four failures, but I, and I got two advantages and two threats, so they cancel each other out, which means there's absolutely no net result. So I don't succeed in making it all the way through without having to stop, but there's nothing of incredible note. So I, we will drop into the action. He is going to run out, but not in a dire way. Won't be any sort of disadvantage coming out of that. So I don't succeed, but I don't won't be in any sort of disadvantage. Um, what we also need to know now, we're gonna make an oracle roll, is if we encounter anything in the desert on the way. I'm gonna say it's somewhat likely. So I'm gonna roll uh, three. So it's a hard difficulty roll with two of these skill dice. Um, and I think I'm going to do, I'm going to spend one of the GM points to make this one harder, which will give me two in my pool, um, so that it's kind of an economy that way. So I'm going to upgrade one of the purple dice to one of the red ones, which is more severe, um, on the, so it'll increase the likelihood of an animal encounter. I think it'll be cool, um, it'll be more dangerous for me, it'll move the economy around, I think it'll be fun. Alright, we encounter something that is uh, a net of three failures and one advantage. Okay. The way that I'm going to do the advantage is it's going to be narrative and I'm going to give myself one of these boost dice. So we are going to see, so um, we are going to encounter something, the advantage I'm going to spend so that I'm not completely surprised by it. I can see it coming um, and it may potentially get me a boost die later. So one of the things about this game is it does have some examples of generic stuff that you can do and then also examples of setting specific stuff and it's got like kind of a taster of of little a little excerpts if you will of various settings that they have or at least some of them that they have and they have published and they're very cool 
And so they've got, uh, for the different types of fiction, they've got also, you know, advice in the back that's really cool for mysteries and horrors and uh, that different, you know, ways of messing with genres. Um, so I'm going to go to the fantasy one, and I'm going to grab, there's not a ton of monsters in here, but I can reskin them. They're, they're, they mostly, they have mechanical differences, um, but then they also have, really it comes down to, like, what their traits are, or their skills, so I can make one up, or um, just a lot of flavor is what makes it different, not narratively what makes them different. Um, the other big thing is that there are three tiers of enemies um, in, uh, three ranks kind of of enemies in Genesis. You have, um, you have minions, sometimes they're, or a lot of times, they're really only considered as a group. So in, in Star Wars, for instance, you might have a group of stormtroopers, or in this case, maybe you have like, you know, goblins, or here they have like skeletons. Those are minions, and you'll, you'll fight a group of them, and you kind of, you have a certain number of them, but you only really think of them as a group. They're kind of skeletons. That's that's, that's this thing. Um, and then um, you have um, rivals, which are a little bit more powerful. Um, they've got a little bit more... Um, there's some guides on how to balance them this way. And then you have nemeses, uh, and they're the really powerful, the big bad types. Um, so they've got some examples here. Um, so we might... Uh, we might encounter, um, it wasn't super severe, um, because there weren't actually any failures, so, or that was for the other one, so there were failures for this one. Um, but it wasn't super severe, so we're gonna say probably it's a minion encounter, um, and I think what we'll do is we'll repurpose, um, oh no, maybe we'll take this exact one in here. So as he's going through the desert, he has to find some water. Um, which is hard to find in the desert, but he knows kind of which, which plants, like which, uh, you know, cacti and succulents to gather them from. Um, as he's about to go gather more water for the rest of the trip, um, he sees, or he hears something that sets him off a little bit. Um, and he sees these weird hybrids. They, they are, look half animal and half human. Um, they look like, you know, they have like thick, sort of thick fur, like in a, like a desert animal kind of way. Um, so like longer, thinner kind of hair here. Uh, long claws and huge fangs, but they look semi-human. It's kind of disconcerting to say the least. Uh, so yeah, I think they're these, this like troop of beast men approach. And I, I'll put, I don't know how many of them to put. Um, I don't know how to balance this game, having not run it, especially with one person uh, this way. So here's what we're gonna do we're just gonna treat it like the group like it is and um, uh, yeah I'm just gonna put two of them and if Thorin dies then whatever we'll figure out something else but um, yeah so these two beastmen come here so we're gonna get into some combat um, what I want to have to do is because he he is aware of them I want to see if he can sneak up on them at all uh, and then we'll see if we can get some sneaking maybe that'll give me some boosts here on my kind of initiative roll and maybe a bonus round we'll see so first what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a stealth check, uh, which is not my forte. It's not a career skill, so I have no skills in it, but it is agility-based, which I have three in agility. And I'm going to do that against their vigilance, or their perception, actually. Um, they do have a rank in perception. And perception is, um, I believe, yeah, it's cunning-based. They have a cunning of two. So they're gonna have one of these purple dice and one of the red ones. Right, so they make a roll. My stealth against their perception. Okay, so I've got, that's three advantages, threat, and failure. So my success and failure cancel each other out. So there's no immediate success or failure there. And then I have a net of two advantages. So I'm not able to sneak up on them but with the two advantages, I'm going to turn those into into uh, a boost die. I'm going to spend the two kind of spend the two advantages as a boost die in order to better position myself um, for uh, for the action. So I don't surprise them, but I'm more ready for it, um, and so I'm in a more advantageous uh, the way that you know Thorin kind of goes and navigates around the dune. He gets into a more advantageous place. Uh, so um, that's how I'm going to play this here. So I'm going to I'm going to add it to my um, my initiative role. So the way initiative works in Genesis is a little bit different than normal. So you roll 
Um, it's depending on the scenario, one of two skills, either cool, if you're trying to keep your cool, like, you know, thugs bust into the bar and you're just sitting at the bar, you would maybe be cool and you're, you're not phased, or it's vigilance, which is usually it seems to be vigilance. The thing is, though, instead of it being a specific person in that order, it's more of the slots. Is it a PC or is it an, an, uh, an enemy or an NPC? And so everybody rolls and gets kind of their slot, but then you can take them in any order. So you can kind of set things up. Solo, it doesn't matter. Solo, it basically ends up being a group initiative, right? It becomes me versus them. And just who's going to go first. So I'm going to take my, my boost die that I got from my advantage on the last one and roll my vigilance. And I, it's just going to be an opposed check here. Um, in this case, they have a skill in vigilance. I have a skill in vigilance. Um, and let's see, it's will willpower based. So I've got three and then a skill. So upgraded one of the dice and then they have vigilance as a group, not as individuals. And But they only have a willpower of one. So I roll one of these challenge dice for them and my boost. Here we go. Who's gonna go first? All right, I have uh, a net of one success and one advantage. Great. So I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna roll that advantage over, um, and just to uh, we'll just play it narratively that uh, that he kind of like faints a little bit and he's able to um, focus on the one because I have a skill so I'm gonna kind of advantageously place myself um, so that I'm sort of one-on-one -on -one with this one creature and I've kind of like let the other one drift aside a little bit this will be important in a moment um, so as I kind of like you know faint with the sword back and forth um, and the way that I kind of like walk around the sand um, so, you know, circling a little bit, kind of Avatar to the Last Airbender, um, they kind of separate enough that I'm, for a second, one-on-one -on -one with one of these beast men. Okay. So, here's how this is going to work. I am going to, uh, so I go first and then they go, and that's how we're going to go back and forth. So I'm going to make an attack here. So I'm going to do, uh, melee, which is, uh, brawn-based, and I have two ranks in that skill. So I get two of these upgraded dice, one of the non. And my, um, not, not a boost for that one. And then um, I do that versus, let's see. Okay, melee attacks are always average because they're at a fixed range, whereas ranged attacks are at different, different levels there. All right. So it's just to see if I hit, and then we'll see uh, what the damage looks like. So swing my uh, greatsword here. Okay. All right, so I have, that is a net of three successes and one threat. Okay, which I know what the threat will be. So the way that works, so three successes. Um, so, so the damage of a melee will be, so like for instance, my, um, so I, I do hit with three successes. Uh, so I do hit and, um, uh, my damage for my greatsword is plus four, so it's my bronze score, which is three, plus four, so a total of seven, okay? Now, if I had gotten uh, net advantages, for instance, you have where you crit. So if I had two advantages, I could spend that on a critical hit, which would force a critical, uh, a critical hit roller, or otherwise in, uh, cause some sort of an effect. You can spend the advantages on things like that. Um, so in this case, I just hit for seven damage on the beastmen. So the beastmen here have a soak value of three, which means that they they just absorb incoming damage by three. So that means four gets through, and the beastmen have a wound threshold of six. Okay, so that means that the the one that I was attacking is now uh, down to two. Okay. Now, the disadvantage is gonna undo the advantage from before, so the other one has now closed the gap, um, so they're both they're both here um, on me. So, uh, one of the beastmen I'm gonna attack, the one I just attacked is gonna try to lash back now. They do have a brawn, uh, brawl skill, rather, um, so they're unarmed, so they have a brawl skill, um, and then it's a brawn-based, so they roll, uh, they have a three in brawn, and one rank in the skill. So that one is going to attack me, and it's the same difficulty for them. 
Okay. The net effect here is one, or sorry, two successes and one advantage. Okay. So they're able, they're able to stay together. Two successes, one advantage. That does mean it hits. Uh, and let's see, they do uh, fangs and claws. So the brawl uh, damage is six. Uh, not enough advantages for them for the critical um, for the critical hit. So six damage. I have a soak value of three, which means that I'm going to take three damage here. So it's going to add to my wounds up to eight out of 15. Whew. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. Um, I have a, so I have a couple traits here. I have um, tough as nails, which affects uh, critical hits. Uh, if, I, if I take one, I can force it to be a result of one once per session. Um, I also have one of parry, where I can take three strain to reduce uh, damage by a rank of two plus my rank in the skills. So in this case, three. Um, so I could negate that damage and take strain uh, three strain instead. In this case, just converting it essentially. Um, and then I can boost when I'm in combat with one on one. Um, okay. Think, I don't know if I should. I should probably parry here. It's easier to deal with the strain. I can get rid of some with the uh, advantage. So I'm gonna take. Um, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take some strain. I'm gonna take three strain and reduce that damage by three. Back down to five in my wounds, but I have six strain, which is no good either. But it is what it is. Easier to recover. Okay. This just means that I'm able to like, I'm able, I am able to block it enough, but in, in a way that is exhausting. Like it knocks me over, uh, and it just causes more stress overall. It's gonna overall reduce my effectiveness. Okay, the other one is going to attack as well. Again, it has a uh, bronze skill or a brawl skill. Average difficulty. Okay, it gets. A net advantage. Um, yeah, so it's it's gonna press in closer. So it's gonna be an in between me and the other one that was more wounded. That's gonna be the advantage here. But it doesn't succeed. I'm able to block it with the great sword. So it's, now it's my turn. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna have to. I think I'm just gonna have to straight up attack it again here um, with melee. So I've got two of the upgraded dice. Drawn. Average difficulty. Okay, here we go have a net of one failure, so it looks like I'm going to miss, but I'm going to get a bunch of advantages here, so I'm going to get a net of four advantage, uh, and I believe that I can spend two to recover um, some strain, or I could spend all four to recover some strain, I could also give myself some boost die for next time, so it's probably worth seeing uh, what kind of things I can spend on it, um, so let's see here. Let's see if we go to advantage. Uh, there, there's a good index. I'm not going to do it the whole time. I just want to show the, the strength of the index here. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can spend it on in combat. Okay, there's a table for it. So let's see if I've got. Um, I could spend two of them, or so I can recover one strain. So I can I could recover four strain, which actually is probably a good idea. I can spend two of them to add a boost, like I did before, um, or add a disadvantage to them, or a setback die to them. Uh, I could negate the enemy's defense, like I guess if they had cover or something, if I spend three of them, and the rest you have to have triumphs for. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to recover... I think I'm going to recover two strain, so I'm going to go back down to four strain, and I'm going to give myself a, a, a boost die, so I'm able to, like, I kind of amp myself up the other one like kind of loses its footing a little bit um so like even though i miss like i i set the other one off balance a little bit and i'm and i'm able to like get my head back in the fight here um and kind of make it lose its footing so or, and and to gain my footing so my next attack will have that that boost die as i have a better footing um actually no i want to make it set set back it, itself so i i like kind of threaten even though i don't hit it uh, it 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 helps my spirit so i recover that stream but i'm going to give it a set back die so one of them is going to attack me now all right and then the two here so one of the beastmen's going to attack i gave it a setback die which 
looks like it will have paid off here because let's see, it uh, it did get two success, uh, so a net of two successes, so it does succeed, but it got a net of one threat. Um, and they don't really take strain uh, the same way, so the way that, like, so they can't negate that really in the same way. And usually minions here, they just take strain um, as, as damage if something were to inflict strain. So what I think I'm gonna do here, um, just as the, D the DM is, I'm, I'm gonna have it uh, kind of go down by one health, even though it, it, it fights it, it, it takes so much energy to hit that it's gonna still do one damage to it just because, again, they don't take the same kind of strain. Okay. All right. So it does succeed, um, but it doesn't have any advantages to spend on the crit. Um, so it's gonna do its six damage to me. So it means uh, after my soak value of three that I take three. So back up to eight wounds. It's gonna be a tough fight. Next one does the same attack. It's gonna try to come in closer. Okay. Uh, so it gets two successes, so it succeeds, but it has three threats. Um, which I'm just gonna, um, I kinda don't wanna kill it by, like, it killing itself. Um, but it may just over yeah, actually, here's what we're gonna do. I, I'm gonna, uh, uh, mechanically cause the strain to, um, to affect it, but I'm not gonna have it kill it. Uh, so it's gonna end up taking one damage from overextending itself as it's wounded. It kind of, like, goes all out on this attack, and it is gonna do damage to me, um, but it, it opens up the wound from before even more, it starts bleeding. So it's gonna take that one damage from the one uh, strain that it would take. Um, on top of that, it's gonna have a setback die on its next roll, because uh, of, its, of its opened wound, its bleeding wound. Okay. Uh, so now, now it's my turn, and they're both up on me here. So, and I'm gonna use, um, I'm gonna use my opportunity to to attack that one that's already wounded. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna spend one of my story points to upgrade my die, because I've got two story points at this point, because I got the one from before. So I'm gonna upgrade another one of my dice. So I've got um, uh, all three of them, I guess. I wonder if I was rolling enough um, of my good dice. So I gotta pop open my second set here. Ah. Alright, all the dice. Roll so many dice. If you like dice pools, this is a fun system. If you don't like dice pools, this may not be for you, but I love it. Alright, so all three of these upgraded dice, uh, and then my two um, difficulty die here. See if I hit this one. Okay, so I get a net of three successes and an advantage. I'm gonna use the uh, advantage to reduce one of my strain. It's back down to three strain. And I'm going to, uh, so I hit and I do plus four damage, plus, so seven total damage. Um, it only has three soak. It is enough to kill this, um, kill this thing. So, uh, I'm able to like stab it right through the chest with this great sword, uh, and I kind of kick off the body of the beast man, and um, uh, kind of like have this look like, what's next? Come at me, bro. This is kind of a come at me, bro moment. All right. Narratively, I think it'll be more interesting if I, since they're kind of the same in a way, the same creature anyways, if I carry over that setback from the other one onto this one that's now seen the other one die, it's gonna have a setback. It still wants to attack because it's in fight or flight mode, but it's gonna be a little bit demoralized. It's the kind of thing I would do as a GM. It's more flavorful. Okay, um, and I'm gonna spend another fate point. Um, so the last of my fate points at the moment, uh, or story points rather, um, to upgrade a difficulty die. Um, which is another thing you can do. So you can spend it to make things easier for yourself. You can also spend it to make it difficult for others. So I'm going to do that. Um, and it's going to attack... Um, so one of the difficulty ones gets upgraded. And it attacks like so. Oh, and it has to set back die. Alright, so it tries to attack me. Okay. It gets a... It gets four failures. That's a lot of failures. Um... But it also gets 
two advantages. Alright. Yeah, it looks like it gets two advantages. So I think it's going to spend it um, to get on the next... Uh, it's probably going to push me out of my... Um, my area a little bit more, make me lose my footing. It's going to give me a setback die as I'm trying to regain my footing. Um, it is going to hit um, successfully as well. Um, so I take another three damage. Whew. It's getting rough, y'all. I'm up to 11. Getting close to that wound threshold where I have to roll for a critical injury. The Thorin. Now it's time to turn the fight around. Thorin is going to attack. Gotta make sure I get that setback die in there from losing my footing. All right, here goes nothing. Last creature here. Oh, yes, okay. So I got a triumph. These are a little bit rarer, but this is, it counts as success and as an advantage, and it, it always takes effect no matter what the net result is, and there's other things I can spend it on. So I could, for instance, could spend it um, to upgrade the difficulty of the target's next check or um, upgrade an ability of any character for the next check, which is pretty cool. Um, including that a bit, so that's cool. Do something vital, such as shooting the controls of nearby blast doors, so if I had more uh, environmental stuff for this combat, I could use that. Um, so that is super cool. It also counts as three... I can do anything that I could do with three of the advantages as well, so it's really cool. A lot of stuff to do. Okay, let's look at the net result, though. So that counts as two successes, one failure. So net result of one success where I got this triumph as well. And then, let's see, and one threat. Um, actually, no, because the triumph also counts as that. So it, the end result is it comes out as one success, which is also a triumph. So I'm gonna spend, uh, you can use any of the triumph for any of the any of the stuff. I'm gonna spend the triumph, um, oh man, how, what should I do? I'm gonna spend the triumph uh, to, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I'm gonna add a boost die to my next attack. Or I'm gonna add a setback. Um, I'm gonna recover one strain, and I'm gonna add a setback die to this creature's attack. So now I have two total strain, and it's gonna the creature's gonna get a setback die. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, as I'm able to like really slash wickedly across. Uh, um, across way that was that my attack too um i got all like sidetracked all and, and and everything i think i totally haven't done the damage yet so um uh let's see yeah because i also had it um i had one uh threat which uh, yeah i'll take as a strain so i i negated the strain basically Okay, so then I do seven damage to this thing. It has a soak of three, so it takes four damage. It's, it's near death, this thing. Okay, uh, I just got so excited about that that I totally lost track of what I was doing. All right, uh, it's gonna attack back. Uh, it's got its setback die. Uh, yeah, as I, as I wickedly stab this thing, do a ton of damage. Um, uh, it, it, it costs a little bit of strain though, as I, as I struggling in the sand, the wind, the wind picks up and the sand starts to buffet me um, as I do that. Okay. Alright, here we go for this last uh, beast man. I also get a boost if I'm one on one. I should have done that last time, but that's okay. A lot of stuff to keep track of in a new system. Alright, that is a total of, it gets a total of one, okay, so it fails and Let's see. So this cancels this out. It gets a failure and then no net other effects. Um, so it misses. It's it's it slashes, but it's it's just starting to look so ragged. It can't quite do it. That's that's um, setback uh, ends up being ends up being a big thing as it, as it's starting to lose its footing as it's getting buffeted as well by the sand. Okay. Now it's my turn to try to swing at this thing. All right. I think I said uh, the other thing. So I give it the setback, right? Okay. So it's just regular. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here's nothing. This could be it. Okay. Let's see. No net successes or failures. 
Um, but let's see. Uh, two advantages, two net advantages. Um, so what I'm gonna do, uh, let's see. Hmm. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna give my, uh, I'm gonna give, so I, I, I don't hit, but I do manage to throw, uh, throw it off balance, keep it back, keep it on its toes. Um, that's gonna give it a setback, and then I'm gonna recover one strain for the last one. Now it's rearing up for its next attack. I, I realize that there's not a lot of environmental stuff to show off the narrative aspect of this, but I, it's a new system and I'm in the desert now. Figured it's enough for me to try to learn the system. I'll get fancy with it later. Okay. Yeah, so it's gonna attack now. Try to slash back at me wickedly. It's got setback trying to regain its footing. Okay. That is... Uh, let's see how many successes here. It does have a net of two successes and one advantage. It is going to hit me, which is no good for me. It's only got one advantage. Um, yeah, that's, that's a bummer. Um, I think it's gonna have give me a setback for that, as it kind of like, shocks me that it hits again. I'm starting to get pretty wounded here. So it does six minus my soak value of three, which means it take three. 14 out of 15, y'all, on the wounds. Oh, it's looking rough. It's looking rough. Okay. Yeah, this is it's important that I take this one and do well. All right. It's time to do it, y'all. It's time to do it. I gotta take my setback die. Okay, that is no net successes, which is a bummer. Uh, so they cancel each other out, and I have three advantages and one threat, so I have two net advantages. Mm, I need to spend those on something. Mm, I think I really just, again, I'm gonna have to um, give it a setback. I'm just, we're just like pushing each other back and forth in here in the environment, trying to get us, each, each trying to get a, a footing here. Right, creature. Whoo, woof, y'all. Woof, woof, woof. It hits uh, with two net successes and an advantage, so it's gonna give me a setback. Uh, that is gonna put me over my wound threshold. All right, so it's now time to find out what happens when I get pushed over my wound threshold. Okay, yeah, because that'll exceed my wound threshold, which is a 15. That'll put me two over at 17. All right, so when you go over your wound threshold, uh, you get knocked out or incapacitated. Uh, it depends on your game. It could mean a character death. Um, we're gonna do something more interesting, which is kind of what it suggests with kind of a narrative game. Um, so we're gonna do something more interesting. So it doesn't mean I pass out from the wounds. Um, so, uh, and immediately suffers a critical injury. We'll do that and then we'll go into what, what happens after uh, this beast man uh, attacks and hits Thor in here. Uh, because I have two options, we'll, so we'll ask the Oracle in a minute. But first, we're going to go to uh, the critical injury table here. There's a huge table for it. Um, we just need to see if there are any modifiers from the amount that I've gone over. I suspect that there will be um, some modifier by how much over the uh, threshold I am. Let's see. When wounds exceed a character's threshold, the player should track the number of wounds by which their characters exceeded the threshold to a maximum of twice the wound threshold. The character must heal wounds until the number of wounds they are suffering is below their wound threshold before the character is no longer incapacitated. Interesting. Okay. We'll sort that out in a moment. Um, some will have to be healed for me, I think, extra to the story because there's no other characters, or there's no other PCs. Okay. It does mean that I'm going to take a critical injury, so I need to roll a d100. These are the normal dice that are used in the game, so it uses the proprietary ones, the d100s. While I'm pulling these out, the d100s are actually for really cool stuff. They're for tracking obligation or duty, depending on the game. Uh, you know, various things that can compel your characters and whether or not that part of uh, a character's backstory will uh, crop up in a particular um, episode or session. Okay. Critical injury result. I immediately take this wound. 
Uh, and it adds severity, by the way. So it marks it as a difficulty, and you take that all the time. It adds on to the difficulty of everything else. So I got a 67, which is fairly high. 67 is Shattered Senses. The target removes all boost from skill checks until the critical injury is healed. Um, so I'm going to write that down. Uh, let's see. Yeah, critical injuries. There's a spot for it on the cheat, and so it's called uh, Shattered Senses. No boosts for me. So it's healed. And the severity, 67 is average, so it's going to add two difficulty to everything until um, until this wound is healed. It's going to be harder to heal this one than in general to go back down below the uh, threshold. So going back down below the threshold re resumes consciousness, but doesn't get rid of the critical injury. There'll actually have to be another, like, uh, somebody's gonna have to try some sort of like a medical check later in order to heal me or I'll have to have somebody do it on my behalf or something I'm gonna have to have that healed in order to take that off. So it's more of a lingering thing, which is cool um, So it's almost like you know in the scenes with like ears ringing like the bomb went off uh, Just all the senses just aren't quite right um, as I'm kind of shocked by this this what happens though We need to find out um, here. I've got two paths. What happens with the Desert Rose? Um, is the, does the Desert Rose, is the Desert Rose the one that's going to end up kind of quote-unquote rescuing me from the Beastman, or is it going to be the Pilgrims? I want to see which, because um, that's going to affect what happens next, potentially, and where I wake up, or if I wake up. So, Desert Rose? The answer is yes. Uh, it is the Desert Rose, uh, and there's a disadvantage, two disadvantage, or two threats here, rather. Um, so I think what happens is Thorin passes out from the Beastman, and as he does, he kind of drops the Desert Rose, which is the the Beastman is gonna is about to go for a last slash, and at the and then the, the just before the like the claw comes down on Thorin's head, the Desert Rose on its own starts to fly up in the air and it goes in between. The Beastman instead hits the Desert Rose, which doesn't budge even an inch, and all of a sudden it stops for a second, and the Beastman's body starts to become desiccated as the Desert Rose drains all of the moisture out of the, be the remaining Beastman's body, and it falls to the ground, a shriveled mess, that then moments later turns to ash, blows away into the desert. Okay, so... That's going to end this session um, in the, that traditional sense. We're going to ask some oracle questions to see how the next session is going to start out. Um, it's going to kind of be a new scene, a new thing. We'll probably be able to get more into um, the narrative effects because that was mainly combat-driven, and I didn't have, honestly, a very interesting environment for you. It was just the desert as we tried out the mechanics. Um, there will probably be more social stuff next time, depending on how I'm revived here um, and by whom. Um, I believe that it's probably some sort of a hermit that discovers me. Um, and we're going to ask that. Uh, let's come up with the other path first. It's either going to be some sort of a hermit or um, some other forest that we haven't seen yet. And I have another one that it could possibly be. So we're going to ask, is it some sort of a desert hermit that um, uh, ends up rescuing Thorn? The answer... Yes. You know the result there, so yes. It's a desert hermit. Uh, comes along and kind of scoops Thorin up. Um, puts him, uh, like, ropes around him. Makes kind of a harness. Drags him off through the desert. Um, as the desert rose kind of places itself back in Thorin's pack. Um, so this hermit hasn't apparently seen it. Uh, sees Thorin, you know, big robes. We can't see him or her, actually. We don't know. Um some desert person just with, with big robes on, covering their face, completely, um, you know, uh, the nature of this of this hermit, I have no idea, but he or she drags Thorin off into the desert, um, off into the blowing sand until obscured from the camera, which backs up, presumably into some sort of a cave. And that's where we're going to end this episode of Subclass Act. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's a little bit different of a system. It's a little bit different to talk about. I have no idea how it comes through on an actual play. So there you go. Like I said, next time it should be a little bit more interesting because there will be more social stuff, I think, involved. More um, fleshed-out environment in this, like, hermit's cave 
or wherever that should show be able to show off a little bit more of the advantage and disadvantage. You see, notice there's a lot of like, um, I rolled hot and cold here, so it's it still has the swinginess of other crunchy games where you succeed or fail, but there were a lot of times where, yeah, they didn't succeed, but there's advantages or disadvantages, so hopefully you can see how that plays out. Uh, the story points are cool, I think, honestly. Um, I like that sort of meta currency. I know a lot of people don't. I think it's, I think it's awesome that you can kind of like, uh, you know, nudge this each person has a little bit of agency to nudge the story this way and that um to the epicness or the uh in one direction or another and i think that's cool uh yeah again i hope you've enjoyed this um let me know uh what you think about genesis um and yeah um how how that appeals to you or maybe doesn't uh either way uh thanks again for listening if you have friends who are interested in the show let them know um and yeah, otherwise, feel free to call in on anchor.fm, or you can send a recording to my email, which is in the show notes. Uh, it means a lot to know that people are enjoying the show, or not, whatever. You can send in criticisms, too. Um, I will even publish your um, audio message or your email if you'd like. Um, if, you can still message me. If you don't want to have it on the show, just let me know, and I'll, I'll make sure not to include it. Um, but I'll still give you a thank you anyways. So thanks again. Until next time, this has been Subclass Act.